In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. It, it shouldn't surprise you that I think a great deal about worship and prayer. It may surprise you that I've been thinking about it more and more often these days. And I do so with a great deal of concern and anxiety. As we honor today the Bishop and Martyr St. Ignatius of Antioch, I read to you these words of his. He says, Take heed then often to come together to give thanks to God and show forth his praise. For when you assemble frequently in the same place, the powers of Satan are destroyed, and the destruction at which he aims is prevented by the unity of your faith. So says St. Ignatius of Antioch, bishop and martyr. It is a good thing that we come here to this same place over and over again in union with Christ to do what can be done nowhere else, to make present again the one atoning sacrifice of Calvary, and then to distribute its great and powerful fruits. And as I think about his exhortation for us to be grateful for the opportunity to come together, my heart aches for our Catholic brothers and sisters in Nigeria and in Gaza and in China and in Connecticut, where a certain community last Sunday had their last opportunity to licitly pray as we pray now. They were told it is better for your souls not to come together as we do here. Chinese government has said it's better for your bodies not to come together to do what we do here. And in Nigeria, our brothers and sisters are told, we will certainly kill you. We'll certainly burn your church to the ground. If our Nigerian brothers and sisters do what we do here this evening. And the question is why? Why is worthy worship so dangerous? Why does worthy worship cause a panic among the principalities and powers? There are many reasons for it, not the least of which is that if you're worshiping God, really, you're not worshiping anything or anyone else. Not the party, not the state, not the great leader, not a cult of personality, not an ideology, not the goddess reason, not self-will, but the living God. And if we worship as Christ intended, if we come prepared and pay attention and receptive, we may be blessed with seeing the veil parting between heaven and earth and catching just a glimpse of what heaven is like. The whole company of heaven thunderously praising and worshiping God Almighty and God Almighty from the center of the Godhead Godhead, pouring out the joy of his heart. And so we can catch a glimpse at this altar what the world can never give or take away. And that frightens the powers and principalities of this world. Because if you're worshiping the true living God, if you're worshiping Him worthily, then odds are your mind and your heart may come into right order and you'll be disinclined to participate in or approve of sin 
then you're less likely to remain silent about sin. And that would make you very dangerous to the status quo. So given the graces, the power, the hope, the illumination, the glory, the glimpses of heaven, the limits of earth that can be caught at worship, because the saints and the great churches have always known this to be true, what do we do with that knowledge I think back to a previous assignment where we had morning mass at 7 a.m. And every day, six days a week, a family with ten children were in the second row. They were all in their Sunday best. The ladies were wearing dresses and veils. The men were wearing jackets and ties. There were young children, too. I think it would be easier to arrange the Normandy invasion than it was to get that family there every morning. But they did. And the lesson that those children learned was, this is important. This is incomparably important. We need to be here. We need to come prepared in body and soul. And for love of God and neighbor, offer our best in worship at the only place where God may be worshipped with the satisfaction that is His due. Now here's my question for you. Do all parents teach their children that way? I talked to very many priests around the country. Here's how very many parents teach their children. we got things to do on Sunday, so we're getting this over with on Saturday. We got things to do on Sundays, but the far end of the county, there's a place that offers Mass at 8 o'clock at night, better known as the, oh my God, are we still doing this Mass? It really isn't that important. We can arrive late without preparation, without being in a state of grace, without pausing to give a hint of thanksgiving, without pausing to give the slightest indication that what we've witnessed is heaven shaking and earth shattering and soul-forming and healing. We'll arrive late, we'll leave early, unprepared. We'll get in line to irreverently receive the liturgical participation trophy, what the younger children refer to as the thing, without being corrected. And then we'll get on with real life. That's another set of lessons that very many children are learning from their parents. And it might be protested, well, at least they're coming. Isn't it wonderful that they're here? Couldn't we inquire why? I suppose we could. I bet their answer would be inadequate. And then what? The great Jesuit missionary said, enter through their door and lead them through yours. Dress like the natives, talk like the natives, and then teach them Latin and have them build basilicas in the Amazon. Because that's what we do. Because no matter where you are in the world, no matter who you are in the world, your eternity will not begin well if you haven't learned in this life to know and love and worship Christ and to love your neighbor for love of Him. Lent is coming. It is a season of sorrow and sobriety. 
still a season of hope. Whatever else you do, whatever sacrifices you make, penances you undertake, abstinences donate, whatever it is that you do, let's agree here among us that we will intercede for those who have not been awakened from their terrible delusion. And the terrible delusion assisted by far too many including prominent members of people who should really know better club, the terrible delusion is that we can half-wittedly, half-heartedly give a wink and a nod and a gesture and direction of God, live our lives as we see fit, and then God owes us heaven. People persist in that delusion because no one has lifted a finger to shake them out of it. Helpful hint, just stirring up random enthusiasm won't help. Let's lead by example where we can. Let's teach where we can. And when there is nothing else for us to do, let us intercede with grateful hearts, with hearts brimming over for the miracles that we have received and ask the Good Shepherd to guide us each and all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost.